Church, good to be with you. Would you stand for the reading of the word? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I've spoken um, about the, uh, this, this passage a number of times, and um, in regard specifically to community, in fact, we've spoken a lot about family and community over the last couple of years. As I was preparing for my message this week, I was looking back over notes and things that I had written, and I have these, you know, folders where I collect information, and I realized that over the last two years, three different times I've spoken to family and community in what we at Sanctuary call the withward direction. And I thought, I don't know if I have anything else that interesting to add. Um, and so I'm not going to add a ton. I'm actually going to just, we're going to do some old school Bible study this morning. And that I'm just going to walk through Romans 12. And then I, I'm going to invite some friends up and, um, and we're going to have a baptism. And uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to just put, put uh, some of this withward direction on display together. So before I jump in, uh, there are just two uh, quick things, I think two, that I want to just mention, just to clarify about announce, the announcements there. One is um, on Good Friday, uh, as Morgan said, that family and, uh, service will be downstairs. The service itself will start at 6, and we'll send out a bunch of communication about this on email. Um, but that service will start at 6. The dinner will start at 5.30. We know that could be a tough time, people getting out of work, getting the families together. Um, but I wanted to share a little bit more about that service. Um, I know that for me as a parent of young kids trying to explain what Good Friday is about and more pointedly what the cross is about, arguably the most like central icon of our faith is the cross. How do I talk to my eight-year-old, my five-year-old, my three-year-old about this both horrific event that is supposed to make me feel more loved than anything in the entire world? How am I to do that? And so though this will be a service for our kids uh, and and be led by Sarah and Greg to help us do that well. But also it is really is for not just, it's not a kid's service, it's a family service, similar to these family practices where we as families, as, as parents, or as guardians, as grandparents who have children who we are, who are entrusted to our care, how do we continue to, not just for Good Friday, but continue to day after day, week after week, year after year, talk about the cross. So we are really excited about this. That dinner again will go from 5.30 to 6. Service will start at 6 and it will not go more than 30 minutes. So we're jazzed about that. And then again, the crossover will be upstairs, will be our, our regular, more traditional Good Friday service. And then I do have one last uh, announcement. Sorry, Morgan, I didn't throw this at you. Uh, is we are considering doing an 8.30 service, as you can see, uh, since we have regathered um, as, as our as we've been making sense of community in this season post-ish COVID, um, this room can fit about 400 packed in, packed in. Um, and so we're considering doing an 830 service. We can't do a later one because of who we rent from. Uh, they have something that's happening uh, in, the, uh, in the midday. So I just want a show of hands. You're not committing to this. It's going to go old school, no texting, no forms or anything like that. If you would be... Um, would likely come to an 8.30 a.m. service, would you just raise your hand really high if you would likely come to an 8.30 service? 
guys, are y'all crazy? <laughs> All right, that is really helpful. Thank you very, very much. So, to our pivot, to pivot back, um, we are in a series called Our Path. Recognizing that our church, um, what it means to be a part of sanctuary, what it means to be a part of a community of apprentices to Jesus in this moment, in any really cultural moment ever, cannot just be agreement to some theological distinctives or agreement to some ideas about the world, but it must be, as it has been from the beginning in the scriptures, a commitment to a way of life or what the ancients in our faith called a rule of life, a way of being in the world, a series and a set of spiritual practices. And if you've been a part of our church for even a hot minute, you know about our directions. The way we think about apprenticeship to Jesus is by journeying upward to be with Jesus, inward to become like him. Last week, we talked about the outward direction, doing what Jesus did, moving in mercy and justice and faithfulness. And then this week, we want to talk about the withward direction. We do all of this together. What are the spiritual practices that we want to agree to together? So each week, I've outlined two practices that if you are interested in being a part of our church, and we'll have a kind of a formal way of bringing this all into being post-Easter, but it's saying, yeah, 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 I'm in as a part of this family. Cool. It doesn't just mean you believe like Jesus is God or just believe this. It actually means I'm going to agree to do life in this particular way, practicing these practices within the margin and confines and boundaries of my life. And so each direction has had a couple practices attached to it. So upward, prayer and worship. Having a, we're going to develop a culture that's scripture reading and reading the Bible together in regular ways. And we kind of went through each one. So today, as we talk about the withward practice, like I mentioned, having talked about this so often, and especially knowing that most people I know who are followers of Jesus, in this church at least, are, are um, really clear on, we know that we can't follow the way of Jesus alone. I want to simply walk through Romans 12 as an encouragement and a refresher and then allow us again to get our, our, uh, our hands on some, on some like flesh and blood and guts of what it means to be in community together. So we should all be aware at this point that the American experience in Western culture is generally rooted in radical individualism. This is not a surprise. We are trained to look out for our own interest above all others, constantly pushing to get what we want or deserve to pursue our own desires over others. You may be like, that's not me, but that is the, uh, as we used the analogy a couple weeks ago, that is the water that we are swimming in. The way of Jesus and our experiences show us that while looking out for our own interests and living in extreme independence is often easier in the short term, it generally leads, not just from, you know, what the Bible has to say, but sociologically, it leads to unhappiness in the long term. We would say in the Christian tradition, it, lives, it, it leads to a life less lived. And so, for better or worse, we need each other. And so as I go through this text, I want to ask you, in the spirit of raising our hands about church services on Easter, I want to ask, ask you to participate with some hands raised and amens. I want um, you to help me with this sermon, 
to bear witness to those sitting next to you that, yes, I've experienced that. And that's okay if there's a few awkward moments where, like, nobody, either everyone's really too quiet or nobody's like, I've actually never experienced that. Let that be a rebuke of our church, of how we need to grow in community. You with me? Yeah? I urge you, brothers and sisters. He says, therefore, I urge you. My dad has this, like, just cheesy pastor joke. I grew up a pastor's kid. Every time he says, you see the word therefore, you got to ask what it's. Oh, yeah. I'm becoming my dad by mentioning my dad's joke like every like six months. Well, what it's there for is everything in the book of Romans, a letter written to the church in Rome, not too unlike where we are today, leading up to that moment, is him just spelling out grace and love and beauty and the sovereignty of God. This is how good God is. This is what's God, what God has done. It's similar to Ephesians. It's like, this is what God's done. This is who you are. This is what God's done. This is who you are. And then it just drops. Therefore, in light of all of that, I urge you, brothers and sisters, family, in view of God's mercy. You could say he just spent 12 chapters, 11 chapters talking about God's mercy. To give all of yourself to God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. This is your true and proper worship. This is what it is. It's to say, God, I want you here in my heart. God, I surrender all. I trust that your way is the best way. To find myself is to find myself in you. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. There are all sorts of patterns that are broken in our world. Don't conform to those, but choose. This is a choice here. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is why we have a rule of life, a way of life, why we adopt practices, because we need to renew our mind and have rhythms to do this. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Have you ever experienced humility? Have you ever experienced someone in this church or in the church operating in humility? considering others better than themselves. You can give an amen or raise your hand if you have seen that. For just as each one of us has one body with many members, just to be clear here, this is not like some strange ancient Jewish-like picture. He's literally saying just as you are somebody with fingers and elbows and cheeks and other parts. I don't know why I chose those three. It just felt right. And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, in the family, we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Church, have you experienced someone else's gifts as a gift? Have you been grateful for someone else being wired different because you, maybe you wouldn't have seen that or understood that or saw that person before. Yeah. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Have you ever experienced God through someone else? Yeah. It's wild, right? 
few of you, I know you've had your life changed by just one word that someone humbly came up to you and was like, I have this sense that God's saying this to you. Am I allowed to say this? Eked out just like that in the most humblest of ways and seen tears come. That he goes on to explain the gifts. If it's serving, then serve. Have you ever been served in the church? If it's teaching, then teach. We won't ask any questions about teaching. We know that's amazing. <laughs> if it's to encourage, encourage. Has anyone had courage put into you? Anyone come alongside you in a time of need? If it's giving, then given generously. Have we seen any radical generosity in this church as of late? If it's to lead, do it diligently. Have you found yourself at any point led well in a world where there's so much broken leadership? Have you ever found yourself led well? Do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Have you ever come across sincere love? Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Be devoted to one another in love. Have you ever found yourself compelled to be devoted to someone in love, even someone that you really struggled to, to be with? One. Amen. Come on, keep it going. Hate what is evil, cling to what's good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Man, we are to be a place where honor reigns supreme. Where someone doesn't need to feel weird because they had a win. Someone doesn't need to like downplay the fact that they just crushed it at work. Somebody don't need to downplay the fact that there was a big breakthrough. There was some healing. There was some beauty. We don't need to have like, the tall poppy syndrome. Everyone is like that New England thing to keep everybody level. No, 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 no. We honor people and lift people up. We roll the red carpet out. Have you ever been honored in the church? And I hope so. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be faithful in prayer. He's just rattling off like this is a picture of what family looks like and what the with the word direction looks like. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Have you ever had someone share with you when you were in need? Have you ever had someone show up with some money gotten a check you didn't think to get. Yeah. Practice hospitality. Have you ever experienced hospitality? Bless those who persecute you. This is a place where we bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, right? We celebrate each other in joy. We look for opportunities to celebrate. We at this church, we absolutely take a freaking sword to the cynicism of our region. Amen? We say enough. We're not going to live in this kind of like burned out, it's too cold up here cynicism. <laughs> Nor will we adopt the fake, never mind, I was going to make a cut in the South, but I won't do that. <laughs> Love you in the South. Love you in the South. Mourn with those who mourn. How many of you have had someone sit next to you when you were in times of tear, times of mourning, or you have gone to sit next to someone who was mourning in this church? Yeah. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud. 
but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Have you ever been, felt yourself the outcast and had someone come and sit with you? Yeah? Have you, have you ever, um, have you ever seen that person across the way in home church who talks like while they're chewing? <laughs> and you have, you, have, you have kept your mouth shut and you have still listened amidst the chews. Amen. Like, hallelujah. Don't be conceited. Do not repay evil, anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This is a hard one to say amen to because it indicts you, but man, have you ever had someone come to you and just like you know they were like working hard to live at peace with you because you were in a rough spot? You were not, how do they say, emotionally healthy. <laughs> and someone came to you and was like, I'll stand with you. I'm going to live at peace with peace with you. Don't take revenge. My dear friends, leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. It's like, look, you will expose their brokenness by out-loving even your enemy. Do not overcome. This is like it all lands here. Don't overcome by, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This isn't a concrete list, right? We could go down all of the one another's in the Bible, carry one another's burdens, serve one another, love one another, lift one another up, practice hospitality with one another. This is what it is to be family. This is what it is to practice the withward direction together. Corey. Can we welcome up Corey? Sorry. Hi, I'm Corey Sadie. Um, my husband, Chris, is out of town, but um, you'll know him when you see him. He's the handsome Italian man. Uh, Andrew had asked me to come up here uh, because I was actually uh, telling Andrew recently how much we had been blessed by the sanctuary community. Uh, my husband and I moved here in March of 2020 when Tom Hanks got COVID and it became very real for Americans. Um, everything shut down. We had both just quit our jobs and bought a house right when the market crashed. Uh, we were both attempting to start new businesses and Surprise got pregnant. And so it was just a lot, and we were essentially cooped up in our home in a, a new marriage, <laughs> trying to figure it out. Uh, so when we came to Sanctuary, I was nine months pregnant. It was a worship and prayer night on the Sanctuary East Side. It wasn't even a, a real service quite yet. You guys were just starting up uh, worship and prayer nights. And when we got there, we were, you know, on the outside, all smiles and put together, but we were really struggling. Um, and I can't tell you how much we were welcomed in by every single person. Um, they just brought their gift and offered it. Um, we first spoke with Alice Fozzie, um, and she 
obviously seeing that I was very pregnant, was like, can I, can I start a meal train for you? And I said, Alice, I just want you to know we haven't, we, you know, we're just coming out of the pandemic. We haven't even prayed about where, what church we're going to. Like, we're not even members here yet. So if you would want to maybe push your meal train back until we've really committed here, I, I totally understand. And she said, no, no, we'd like to, we'd like to provide food for you. Um, and she put together a meal train. Um, I had a really hard labor and delivery and then was going through some pretty bad postpartum depression. And we had meal after meal after meal show up on our doorstep. Um, and everyone, again, brought their gifts. Elizabeth taught me about lactation cookies. I was like, I'm sorry, I can eat a cookie and it's good for my son? That's such good news. Um, <laughs> Uh, Laura DiPlato brought food over. I had never even met her, and she brought food for me and prayed for me. And Mike, uh, I actually, Mike brought a second meal over for us. I had talked to Mike for less than four minutes, and he had brought several meals for my family. Um, the second time he came, my sister had flown in. My sister is not yet a believer, um, but she was blown away. She's like, this man just brought you food? Like, you don't even know him. Um, and it's his second meal? Like, the, the second time. Um, so we were just uh, so overwhelmed by the love that we had been shown. Um, and so diligently, it wasn't this flash in the pan. Everyone was like, amazing, you know, welcome. And then we didn't see anybody for a long time. It was steady, again, meal after meal that people had brought us. Um, the first time we came to Sanctuary, I had asked Pastor Tim where I could feed my son. And at the time, there wasn't a mother's room. And the second week I came back, they had created for me a mother's room. I was so blown away by that, that they would just see a need and meet it. Um, Pastor Andrew and his wife like welcomed us into our home, and I had the fanciest meal I've ever had. Um, they just talk about hospitality like there were candles, like they lit candles. And <laughs> I, think I, I think he made scallops. I was like, I've never had a scallop before. Um, just the extravagance of the hospitality. Um, they really um, just made a point to welcome us in. Lastly, I just wanted to um, mention we had uh, attended a home church at uh, Tim and Brittany's house, and they treated us like we had been their family um, our whole lives. No one asked us really, you know, there was no barrier to entry whatsoever. It was just open arms. Um, and ultimately, I started following Christ after college. Um, I'll save my testimony for another day, but one of the things that really stood out to me was joining a Bible study at the time where no one had anything in common except for their love for Christ. And everyone was giving without expecting anything in return. And that was what I really had seen in the sanctuary community. And the only way that you can give without expecting anything in return, truly not expecting anything in return, is if you have received the love of God that you also do not receive, while the Lord didn't expect anything in return from you. And that is, that is extraordinary, um, that you guys have all laid your lives down for Christ, received lo the love of Christ for yourself, and then are able to turn around and extend it to total strangers like my husband and I. Um, I, well, I'm so grateful to be part of this community. <laughs> so is he. Um, 
I just wanted to say thank you so much for welcoming us in, and the Saddies are really looking forward to laying our lives down for you, too. So. Hi, um, my name is Sue. I thought of taking my jacket off, but I'm really cold, so I'm going to keep it on, even though it's not social decorum. Um, so I do want to give a shout out <laughs> to my hus husband, William Bowden, over there who made the best avocado toast this morning while I was trying to type up my notes in a more organized, like frantic, um, frantic for frantically. Um, I wanted to share today about the experience I've had in this community um, from the moment I stepped in. Um, I moved from Southern California uh, six years ago, five years ago. In a PhD program, everything is a blur. It's like it could be three years, it could be seven years, but um, fi five years ago, and I stepped into Sanctuary. Um, the first thought I had when I knew I was moving to Rhode Island was, one, where am I gonna find my faith community? And it was more of a doubt question and a bewildering question, and the second was, uh, where am I gonna find my hairstylist? Um, and God met both needs, um, almost Im immediately. Um, so I did want to share, um, I am a English literature and creative writing, um, studying both of those, and I wanted to share in the true spirit of sanctuary a passage um, from Charles Dickens that I never understood until I moved to Rhode Island. Um, before I, uh, and, um, and I'll share a little bit of my story. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was age of wisdom, it was age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief, it was the epic of incredulity. It was a season of light, it was a season of darkness. It was a spring of hope, it was a winter of despair. We had everything before us, we had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven, we were all going direct the other way. So I love Dickens, but I never understood this passage until I moved to Rhode Island. <laughs> Um, where, uh, and I, I hope this is an encouragement to some of you, I think the past five years have been some of the most difficult time of, of my life. Anything that can go wrong in a PhD pro program from week one has been going wrong. And meanwhile though, um, at Sanctuary I had this, God was building through Sanctuary um, stages of different communities that um, I've experienced. Um, and. I, there's so much to share that I was wondering, where am I even going to start? And I don't want to offend anybody by leaving anyone out. But um, I think I can say that it started with Pastor Sarah. When I was brand new, I didn't know anybody. I was having trouble making the commute up to Providence on Sunday. Um, and I looked, I guess, kind of lost. She approached me, said hi to me. Um, and I told her, I'm looking for a community group or a home church. And nothing was down in South County at that time. And then one day she remembered me, months later, and came up to me and said, the North Kingston group is opening up. And this is where I met the Mancuso seniors, um, Mike and Sharon, um, who are much older than me. And I also met Lyle in this group and John and Candace Cooney. And right around this time, I was dating my now husband, Billy, who said he wanted to join the group. And he was, um, I guess I could, a lapsed Catholic. <laughs> At the time, he was, he was seeking God, and he was seeking God, but he uh, wanted to come to our church. And I was a Protestant, and I was thinking, how is this going to work? 
we all believe in the same God. Oh my God, I'm, I'm rambling at this point. I need to stick to the script. Um, uh, um, but I realize when God works, even the specific pews you're sitting in, God orchestrates this to change your life. Because we went into the North Kingston group, and then shortly after, um, we were sitting in the back row over there, and there are two other people sitting behind us, um, and it was Shanera and Hayes. Um, and they were also students, and they were looking for community too. So we ended up having two community groups simultaneously. One, and I moved up from South Kingston to Providence. Um, and this is where I want to share what happened. So during the pandemic, Billy and I got married. Two weeks later, everything got shut down. When I say got married, this is also complicated because our wedding got canceled twice because of the pandemic. Um, and right before the pandemic started, before we knew our wedding was going to be canceled, rescheduling canceled twice, which is like planning four weddings. Um, my mother and father, who are in Korea, called us over and said, we're just going to have a really quick celebration ceremony, blah, blah, blah. So we got, we did that and came back, and then the world shut down. We were newly married. We were going through my green card process, which is a 520-page document. You don't want to know how to put that together during a pandemic. And then also our, our um, comprehensive exams. Um, we were, at the time, um, financially, you know, very tight. There were a lot of things going on, and it was hard. It was really, really hard. I can say this now, looking back, but every day was hard. And during this time, our community showed up. So Mike and Sharon would literally drive up and pick us up in front of our door and drive down the street to a restaurant. Like, that's how they were like, we'll, and, and drive us back. We were like children, almost, in a good way. And it was beautiful because there's no room for anything else during that time. And also, John and Candace were just like dropping off meal after meal order, and they didn't even want to bother us with the menu. So they would just be like, text us the, what you want, and we'll order it for you. And it would be delivered to our door. We would get Bible verses and cards in the mail. And that's just part one. So this is how we endured the pandemic. During that time, and uh, I got permission from both my husband and our therapist, we started uh, couples therapy with Elizabeth in our church too. I never knew that I could find a therapist in the church community, but we did. Um, and she told us about the meal train and whatnot. But also, we just started experiencing miracle after miracle after miracle um, when we hit rock bottom or feel like we can't do this anymore. I'm not talking about our marriage. I'm talking about like life, just PhD, all of this stuff. And then my best friend moved away, um, who was part of, she's not a believer, but she knows about our community. She moved to New York City, she got a job and moved. My mom used to say about her, she's like 10 people. Her heart is so big, she's like 10 people. And I remember when she moved away, I was thinking, okay, God, that's a dozen people that just moved away. So what are you gonna do about that? And if you think you can't be sarcastic with God, you can, because he answers sarcastic prayers too. And he, um, it was like magic. When I think about last fall, I think of magic. And I think, I think this is where I shared with um, Andrew, Pastor Andrew, is that suddenly it was like a veil lifting. And it also happened in a pew. We started a conversation. Someone turned around and said, oh, you know, I'm a student at URI too. Are you a student? And we started talking. And we got invited to another home church. So at this time, a lot of the home churches were shutting down and then new ones were opening up because the pandemic was closing, was, uh, was coming to an end. And we got invited to a new home church. And 
it turns out they all lived within like a four block radius of where we lived. So it was like magic, it was like this, we're living there for two years, we don't know anything, it was like darkness, and then the veil lifts and there were all these people surrounding us, um, just a couple blocks away, four blocks away, and I don't think since I was a kid I would be able to walk over to someone's home, open the door and go in, and just sit at their kitchen, and that started happening. And it happened right dovetailed with my friend TF leaving for New York City. So some of my favorite memories with this community group, or I keep saying community group because I've home church, is um, when a couple weeks in, um, we got a notification that they're leaving for Connecticut at 7 a.m. in the morning on a holiday to get donuts. And um, Billy and I were like, oh, this is our kind of home group, um, our kind of home church. And it's, it's also um, just thinking about God's timing. Um, I am also expecting, and um, we had to make an ER trip a few months ago, a couple months ago, and it was really scary. There was someone in our home group who was in the medical profession. There's several. We were able to reach out and just receive words of comfort and like, this is a hospital you need to go to, um, and then just listening. So many of our community members have just listened to me, uh, and especially the men who are not married and who don't have, who don't know. I, I didn't know what pregnancy was like until I got pregnant, and when I did, it was like, oh my, you know, those who know, know. I was like bewildered um, and just listening. So, and then um, there was someone in our community who was also struggling with illness, and we had community members drive down to New York City with this member, um, during, like taking days off work to make sure that um, the member could see a doctor in, in the city. Just so much love. So I totally went off script and didn't share anything from this. Well, I did, but it, it's not what I prepared. But here are some words that I think of when I think of the community at um, Sanctuary. Generosity, rest, rejuvenation, laughter, joy, security, support, bearing burdens, together, bearing burdens together, acceptance, non-judgment, no gossip, listening, remembering the heart of Christ. Um, I realize, and it was, and, and I think this is the last thing I'm going to share. Um, sometimes when you're walking with Christ and seeking his way in your daily life, it can feel lonely. Praying for those who persecute you, living at peace with everyone, feeding the enemy, these things are so hard. And then I realized in our community, these were individuals who had been struggling and practicing this journey until we met. And to meet on that path of pilgrimage together, um, knowing that these are people who have sought God, wrestled with God, doubted, loved, was heartbroken, but also overjoyed all in Christ, and we met along that road, that has been so uplifting and beautiful. Um, we live in a society where everything is an exchange and I think sometimes I realize what it is. I'm embarrassed to ask for refills. And even with God, I'm embarrassed to ask sometimes because I'm like, I ask again and again, and he has to, you know, fill my cup again and again. And um, I had this, um, I was praying a few weeks ago, and I thought of, should I share this? And I decided I will, and so this, I'll end with this. I was praying about something, about funding for next year for Billy and I, and insurance for our child. And I had a vision 
I was holding that tiny little cup that we do our, um, the, the, grape, the grape juice cup that's like this big. And um, I felt like I was coming to God with this little cup, holding this little cup, asking, can, can I get a refill? Um, and I felt this, I saw this huge ocean, and I felt like God was saying, you come to me with this tiny little cup when I want to give you the ocean, when I can fill you with the ocean. And um, I feel like that's what I experienced in this community is um, the ocean just coming again and again and again. Um, and I have this tiny little cup and I realize I can put this cup aside now and stop feeling embarrassed about receiving, about just being vulnerable. Um, and I can truly say that my marriage with my husband has been built on the foundation of the community at Sanctuary. And I am forever grateful. And what's crazy is um, even, I won't go into what has been going wrong, or maybe in God's eyes they're not going wrong. They're just part of the plan, obviously. Um, but in the past five years, it may have been the worst times, but also it has been the best um, because of everything that he has done. Um, and so I just want to share that and want to share that prayer has been powerful in this community um, and the love has been so transformative. Um, and I want to thank um, the leadership and sanctuary too uh, for providing that kind of safe and um, loving space for all of us here. All right. I went. <laughs> Yeah, so good, right? There's the ideal of community, and then there is the messy reality of community. And all I want to offer to you as we come to the end here is that discipleship happens in the middle. Any of you who are idealists like me, you read Acts 2, or you hear about the calling of the disciples in the scriptures, and you're like, that's what the church is supposed to be about. We've gotten so far away, and I just always snarkily want to respond. Just read a few chapters later. Man, the early church was a mess. A mess, and a mess right out of the gate. There is the messy reality of community and the ideal of community, and it is right in between that we see um, the beauty of discipleship happen. Two things. There is exposure and there is encouragement. Exposure exposes what's actually inside. It exposes what's happening in your own heart. It exposes your shadow side. It reveals who you are and what's going on when you're in community, when you're around other people. It helps you make sense of your own brokenness, which, like, who wants a lot of that? But it is quite literally there that we experience healing and transformation. And we know that historically, um, we know, sorry, historically, we know scientifically, it's at a psychological and neurological level, it is in relationships where we find healing. In your brain chemistry, the only way you get through the healing of relational wounds is in relationship. Our deepest wounds both come from relationship and our greatest healing comes there. That's why it's so tragic when people have been hurt by divorce or hurt by their family of origin or hurt by the break of a relationship or even disillusioned by the church. They choose to wall off and say, I'm never going to get close to somebody again. 
And I just want to encourage you for all those who, maybe it's not you because you're sitting here and you're pushing through, but who have friends who are disillusioned with the church. Let me just offer like a word of encouragement. Like that can be a wonderful place. Right? Think of the etymology of the word disillusion. Breaking your illusion. The illusion that this place is going to be perfect. Christ alone is perfect. Christ alone is good. And he has given us this community, this mess of a community where at no part in the scriptures does he hide the brutal reality of what can happen in community and relationships, the hard things, but it's quite literally there where we find ourselves with others transformed. This is where we fix our broken heart. Christopher Smith and uh, John Pattison say this, spiritual formation occurs primarily in the context of community. Long-term interpersonal relationships are the crucible of genuine progress in the Christian faith. People who stay, grow. People who leave, don't. It's a simple but profound biblical reality that we both grow and thrive together or we do not grow, or we do not grow much at all. We must never underestimate the power of we'll figure this out together. We'll get through this together. I love that language of a crucible. Community is really hard, but it is the place that we are formed. And so, we at Sanctuary Church practice the withward direction, following Jesus together. This is how we say it. We are called to journey together as one body. We value the image of God in all people everywhere. We believe that we were created to live deeply with one another, carrying each other's burdens, sharing our possessions, to pray for and confess our sins to each other, to suffer and celebrate together. It's in these honest and loving relationships that God transforms us and truth becomes reality. That's why that line is in there. Everything I just said. Truth, the true things of life become real when we are actually walking together. The way of Jesus cannot be lived alone. And so we've had two practices attached to each direction that we want to begin to adopt as a communal way and rule of life. But for Withward, there's just one. Now, granted, there are a lot of practices we could map, but we just want to kind of hold on to one because it's multifaceted. And it's quite simply the practice of community. What is planted as individualism is harvested is loneliness. But God designed us for meaningful tight-knit and intimate relationship with him and one another. Through the intentional practice of Christian community, we can find the interdependent connections our hearts long for. And so a base practice is simply be consistent, be a consistent part of your home church. Seek to build relationships with people in our church, in your workplace, in your neighbors. Say, I'm going to be in. There are these simple systems we have set up. Come and join and commit to that. Next time, the next season, post-Easter, new home churches uh, pop up and people are welcoming people in. Commit to that. And we have some new things we're going to be offering too, some new groups for those I know that's difficult for. And then our stretch practice. Just set up a standing call or a meetup with a close friend or a Jesus follower. Whether that's a weekly phone call, monthly coffee. Focus on sharing deeply the things that you're tempted to keep hidden supporting one another practically and encouraging one another's relationship with Jesus. I've been blessed to have a couple people in that category. One in particular, my friend Chris, just yesterday, some of the most brutal things 
Because we're in a regular rhythm of we just confess to one another. We needed to confess one another. And to have somebody in some place who loves you and loves Jesus even more than you, who can hear you, who can process. Honestly, my buddy doesn't even always have the greatest advice. Often, but not always. <laughs> Man, but what I get is an ear. I get someone to carry my burden with me. And I get someone to pray and bless, and I get to do the same for him. Ronald Rollheiser says, part of the very essence of Christianity is to be together in a concrete community with all of the real human faults that are there and the tensions that this will bring us. Spirituality for a Christian can never be an individualistic quest. The pursuit of God outside of community, family, and church, the God of the incarnation tells us that anyone who says he or she loves an invisible God, he's quoting First John here, in heaven, and is unwilling to deal with a visible neighbor on earth is a liar. He's just quoting scripture there. Since no one can love a God who cannot be seen if he or she can't love a neighbor who can be. Hence, Christian spirituality is always as much about dealing with each other as it is about dealing with God. And so after hearing two testimonies, and I'm sure so many could have given testimonies today, not just of our church, but the church, we want to end with one more practice that is actually very, very communal and withward in nature. Baptism. Baptism, yeah. One quick word about baptism. This is an vital thing that marks us as Christ followers. Anna, this is a vow of allegiance to Christ our Lord. Baptism is like a ceremony of initiation. One writer says, a drama of our willing decision to enter into a new lifestyle based on a relationship to God through his son. Baptism is this outward confession of an inward commitment. And so there's all sorts of things it's meant to signify washing of forgiveness, being sealed with the Holy Spirit, belonging to God, identification with Christ and his church. It's almost like a transfer of ownership. We say, into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, death, burial, and resurrection with Christ. It is an adoption. It is marking the adoption that's happened in your heart. And so that baptism ritual, like I was thinking of my friends, Eric and Laura, who adopted a daughter, the first daughter they adopted, they already had an older son. And so as soon as that daughter was adopted, not only was she the daughter of Eric and Laura, but she now had a brother, whether she wanted one or not. This is how it is in the family of God. To be in Christ is to be married and pledge our allegiance to him, and it is, for better and for worse, to be connected and married and bonded to one another, to roll deep, even when things get hard, especially when things get hard. And so, Anna, Hi, I'm Anna. <laughs> okay. um, 
I'm just here to tell my testimony and echoing what Sue mentioned earlier, we're part of the same home church. Um, before I struggled with finding my identity and home, um, I grew up in the Catholic faith and in my home life, it was all about work and performance and trying to measure up and receive and think that by fulfilling certain rules and regulations, I would earn the love of God. Um, but my friend in middle school uh, showed me Jesus in young life, and I just felt so seen. Um, throughout undergrad, I was church shopping, and throughout the course of my undergrad, I was diagnosed with this rare cancer in my eye um, that I eventually lost vision. Um, but when I came to Rhode Island for graduate school, I immediately found sanctuary and just felt so accepted immediately. Um, it was nothing that I have ever experienced before, just no judgment, and found my, the Blackstone Home Church. Um, the past couple of months, I wrestled a lot with health issues. My eyes started experiencing some difficulty from the cancer treatment I received three years ago. And my friends from the home church took me over to New York to receive proper care. And it was just an immense blessing to have that community by my side and know that God is always near and never far. I don't have to prove myself to receive God's love. I am accepted and I found my identity in him. He really transformed and softened my heart to be an advocate and be this ambassador of Christ to reflect his love to others and just show that kindness and mercy that no matter what obstacle or valley or mountaintop that I'm on, God is always with me. And so just moving forward, this baptism is just so meaningful to me because it's something that I can remember in this point in my life that I made this decision to commit my life to him and that his spirit is in me and that his power is in me and I want to echo and be an advocate for others to receive the care and health resources moving forward and so I'm just so blessed to have sanctuary and that they have been here for me and I just want to be that resource moving forward as well. Thank you.